right, guys. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we are blessed to be joined by Antonio Camardi. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I see a potential cornerback one. I uh, can move very well. Does can play man to man very well. I think that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He does things that are so amazing, and the competitor in him is just special. Um, I'm excited, man, and I I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set. All right. Good evening or good morning or whenever you're listening to this, if you're not here in the live stream. I am very happy to be back this week. I'm sure everyone is happy to be back this week. A little less, a little less cold, a little less frozen. Um, I am happy to be joined by both John V, who's here with us just about every week. And then this week from Clutch City Entertainment, uh, Mr. Anish. Um, how are y'all doing this evening? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing awesome. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. I'm super grateful for the opportunity to have um, my YouTube channel, Clutch City Entertainment, and all the all my friends who help me with this channel too. And I'm excited to uh, talk some Texans. Awesome. Um, well, Anish, uh, just take a quick second, introduce yourself, um, tell us where we can find you. Um, and yeah, that's it. Yeah, so my name is Anish. Um, I started this channel, Clutch City Entertainment. It was formerly Kool-Aid Sports, but um, anyways, but now it's Clutch City Entertainment. I started it last month in December, and it's been a blast uh, um, recording videos and the whole, um, I've always wanted to share my thoughts on the platform. I always thought that there needed to be more content creators for Houston sports and like Texans, and um, Texas Unfiltered was one of my main inspirations for starting the, uh, a channel like that, so I'm super thankful for the opportunity to actually talk on their stream and um, on share my thoughts with y'all. Oh, that's awesome. And thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I definitely agree with more. We need more voices out there going for the Texans. Like if you follow any other sports, one of the first things you kind of notice is the lack of content the Texans have uh, versus every other NFL team out there. So the more the merrier. There's a lot of y'all that are a lot smarter than me. I would love to hear from you and, you know, I'd love to follow you. All right. Well, we got a little bit of news. Um, we'll clean that up, get the uh, housekeeping out of the way. Any thoughts on the re-signing of uh, Buddy Howe, who's a podcast favorite, uh, Cornell Armstrong, or Ronnie Hillard? Anybody care? I mean, Buddy showed some um, bursts. Like um, He showed some flashes when in his limited playtime last season. Obviously, when you're behind David Johnson, Duke Johnson, kind of hard to get some playing time out there. But I think he, he showed some really good speed out there. And I mean, he's always been a really good team player. He's always positive, um, no matter what. And then I think he plays on special teams. And so, I mean, I'm fine with us for signing him. It's not going to be like a league-changing move, obviously, but it's it's nice to see guys like Buddy Howell um, be back on the team. Yep, uh, I'm also right there with Anish. Um, don't really care much about the other guys. Uh, Buddy also um, played pretty well. I'm glad to see, happy to see that he's. Um, signed and stuff so hopefully we can make some progress with him i mean it's not a game changer like this isn't going to change the franchise or anything but it'll help us a bit yeah definitely i mean they're all three special teams guys um i think that's probably why all three of them were signed and at the same time 
uh, Peter Kalambayi was let go. It was probably decisions on how they're going to approach special teams this year. I don't think it really has much to do with the running back position, even though, I mean, I kind of sort of hope it does. I think we, at this point, should be able to move on from both David and Duke and just go younger at the position, um, but we'll definitely see. Um, and the other person that was released today was Senor Calamante. Um, any thoughts on that? Um, Senio has been good. Like, he's been a good backup guy. I mean, um, our line has been injured at times, and he's started over Max Sharping um, for most of the season, if I recall correctly. And, um, I mean, he's been a, a good, like, backup guard, but he's 30 right now. I mean, I thought he was much older, but he's apparently 30. But, I mean, it's kind of, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's whatever. I think they're just going to get someone else, um, obviously. But, he was, he was decent for us, but he wasn't amazing, obviously. We wouldn't cut him if he was amazing. But, um, yeah, that's just – yeah, it was kind of eh about it. But, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really care too much about these moves. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Calmente, he was flexible, but he wasn't really good at anything. I mean, he, he – passable at guard. Apparently, he could play tackle. We never saw him at tackle. Um, but – doesn't really matter. Hopefully that means they, he no longer has to rotate with Sharping or they're not going to rotate anybody with Sharping. I still think Sharping has the potential to be pretty solid. Um, but again, we will see. And then last but not least, do we have any thoughts on the fact that three scouts were let go today? Um, probably just signals that Nick is probably going to bring his own staff, more of his own staff now. And I've, if I've, if uh, I think Nick was a, was a scout before, right? So I think um, he, he knows like how that whole thing goes. And so um, obviously maybe his um, philosophy is different from what the previous staff is like. So he's going to bring his own guys. I mean, that's not uncommon. And so, I mean, there shouldn't be a huge deal, obviously. But I know there's some like um, hidden gems in the Texans organization that aren't really truly recognized. But I mean, it is what it is, right? There's a new GM in town. So try to do what you got to do. Yeah, not surprised. Yeah, I definitely. He's trying to bring in, bringing in his own staff and kind of making things his own way. Maybe he's taking control of some things that we don't know about. Yeah, uh, definitely. I think that it. the reason I even brought it up um, was just to kind of get ahead of the story because tomorrow, you know, there's going to be people that are bored and have nothing to talk about and they'll probably nitpick it. And it's honestly, it's no big deal. This is what they do. Uh, they bring in scouts. When you have a new GM, they bring in new scouts. It was kind of weird that Brian Gain really didn't do so when he took over, but that's typically what they do. All right. Well, this is sad. Like, I don't really want to talk about this. I knew this was going to happen. We've been talking about it for months on the podcast. We all knew JJ was done. And I just, knowing that it was coming, I had even thrown out that and gotten cold, called on the stream stupid for saying they don't even expect any compensation for it. It still hurt. JJ was asked for and was granted his release. Um, kind of with that, uh, do y'all think that that was the right move to just release him and not try and get any compensation? Um, I definitely think that there was a market for JJ Watt. I mean, when once the last time you see a three-time defensive player of the year, uh, a guy like a franchise guy like JJ Watt on the market, so. I mean, I thought we were going to get, at the very least, a third-round pick, uh, maybe to some contender, and maybe maybe a second-round pick to some needy team. And I thought it was that that we were going to go with that option, but I'm totally fine with 
the Texans releasing JJ Watt, let him uh, choose where he wants to go. I was thinking if we were to trade him, he like were to give us a list of his preferred destinations, and then the Texans would try to work something out there. But I mean, uh, it's like the least you can do for someone who who spent um, his whole career here, obviously, and really changed Houston both um, on the field and off the field, and and it's just like doing right by JJ basically, and um, and I can respect that by the Texans by doing that. Yes, absolutely. Obviously, we would have got a market for JJ, but I think they did the right thing by just releasing him and letting him choose his destination and where he wants to go. Yeah, I, I'm okay with releasing him and letting him choose his own his own team, especially with his contract. I I get it, and. With the situation that the Texans kind of put him in, it was kind of what you had to do. I mean, that's what I predicted. You don't want to cause any bad blood with J.J. He's probably going to be the first Texan to go to the Hall of Fame. You want to make sure that he goes to the Hall of Fame and credits the Texans. Like, you want that to happen. If he goes to another team and wins three Super Bowls, you don't want him to forget about the franchise. I mean, as much as I love Andre Johnson tonight, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Odds are it's going to be JJ that's our first one. So you can't burn that bridge. What absolutely destroys me, though, is we have, by some measurements, the best quarterback in the league, who, of course, wants out. And JJ feels he has to go to another team to chase a ring. To me, that is the problem. And to me, that is one of the, the things that just absolutely kind of kind of breaks me when it comes to JJ. Again, I don't think there was anything that can be done differently. But in this, situ- in this situation, the fact that best quarterback and JJ's wanting to go somewhere else to chase a ring. I mean, this whole season, JJ was probably the most outspoken that I've ever seen JJ this season. Um, he voiced his thoughts. He got into argument with Bill O'Brien and kind of was trying to demand change. He's, I think he was willing to give this team a chance. And it just seems that time after time, this team – has failed um, him and guys before him, like Andre Johnson, who said that the Texans are known for wasting players' careers. And I know JJ is not the guy who wants to leave, like when this team is like at its lowest, because he's been through with us through the the toughest of times, obviously through our losing seasons. Um, and so, obviously JJ, I think he wanted to give this team a chance, but when this team um, kind of like, like he said it to Deshaun Watson, like we should have. Like, we wasted one of your good years, right? So, I feel like, obviously, it was kind of the writing on the wall. I mean, I feel like J.J. did want to give this team a chance, but a lot of people in the fan base also um, thought, like, it's it's J.J.'s time to leave after, like, after the injury history and everything. Like, he's still good. Like, he, he's still, like, 80% of prime J.J. is still a really good player. Like, we saw it, like, um, like last year when J.J. got um, injured after week eight. Um, at the end of the season, he still led the team in pressures. That just shows how good of a player J.J. Watt still is. And we'll be really sad to see him go. go. Obviously, we're going to miss his mentorship, his leadership. And it's just time for guys like Omenahu, Jacob Martin, to step up and fill in, fill in the void. Yeah, nobody's filling in that void. I'm not one of those haters that's going to hate on J.J. Watt. Um, yes, there was is- J.J. created issues with any scheme because he was such a unique player. We never really saw a true 3-4 just because of what J.J. does. So I'm not going to hate on him. I've always, I've always stood up 
stood by that. JJ is a Hall of Fame level. He is somebody you build your scheme, your your scheme around. I think that there was times the Texans maybe could have done a better job of even doing that even later in his career, but you kind of get why they didn't with his injury history. I mean, just point point blank is the first year that JJ got hurt when Clowney and Merciless, we played a true three, four, and that was the best defense that the Texans have had since Wade Phillips was the coordinator, um, probably 2012. So JJ changes the scheme but I'm not going to hate on him because he was really, really good. Like we're, we got spoiled by watching JJ and we got seven out of his 10 years of healthy, productive JJ. So yeah, we were pretty blessed and pretty spoiled by that. And it's not going to be easily replaced. Nobody's going to come in and fill in that void. However, there is an argument out there that when you have one defensive player, that that is, that is that good. It makes it almost impossible for the rest of your defense to be an elite level because defense is so team oriented, especially in comparison to the offense. So I think maybe we'll get to see if they go out there and get role players instead of trying to build around a star, what's going to happen. But my hopes aren't very high. I'm still heartbroken about JJ. Speaking of which, where do we think he signs? Like if you're going to guess, where do you think? Um, obviously the favorites are green Bay, which is his hometown Chicago, where his wife um, plays for the Chicago soccer team there. But I think that the Bills are an underrated team that JJ could definitely go to. I mean, um, you have Sean McDermott as their head coach there, and they're definitely a contender. Um, they they made it to the – obviously the the divisional uh, playoff round. So they obviously have some – have a lot of talent there. And, um, I mean, if JJ Watts – I mean, they have one of the best defenses. So – um, so you have Josh Allen as a future MVP candidate, and I think it would be a great destination. I, I think there's some people trying to decode on Twitter that he's like kind of JJ kind of being uh, cryptic on Twitter, but um, it is what it is. I think JJ as a Buffalo Bill would be a good fit as well. I think he's going to sign with the Packers. Um, he grew up in Wisconsin. He has a ton of appreciation for Packers history, and I think their defense would be better equipped. I mean, Watt's skills as a pass rusher um, would fortify our front line with Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, and Rashawn Gary. And um, if he wants to go um, win a championship, then I think the Packers are the best team for him. And I know he does want to go to the Steelers. There's a part of him that does want to go play with his brothers, but I just don't think um, they're a championship team. Do you do either of y'all think the Browns are actually a, a legitimate contender to get JJ? Uh, JJ does look good in a Cleveland Browns jersey. I'm not gonna lie. I seen the jersey swaps on Twitter, but I mean, I mean, I mean, whoever. I don't know if JJ is going after after the money. I don't think so at this point in his career. He's going after a championship. But Cleveland did have. I mean, they could have beat the Chiefs. Um, uh, against, they could have easily beat the Chiefs, in my opinion. And um, I like, I mean, there's just a lot of miscues there with coaching, um, things like that. Um, so, I mean, the Browns could be interesting. I mean, with him and Miles Garrett, that would be really deadly, and it would make the AFC North much, much harder. But yeah, uh, I don't really see it happening. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, actually, I think that 
I don't think he's chasing money because that's why he was released no. instead of traded. Um, because his contract made him pretty tough to trade. And it's uh, going to allow him to sign with whomever he wants to sign with, whomever he truly believes as a contender. Um, I honestly think Packers, Bills, or Rams are my top three. Um, the Rams have actually come in. Apparently there's been some discussions between the Rams and him. He would have to take a low market deal to go to the Rams. But we've all joked around, maybe not even joked around, kind of meant it seriously, that JJ kind of wants to be an actor in the future. So he may go the LeBron route. So don't be surprised by that. I think his heart is with the Packers. He de- Yeah, I definitely agree, Robert. He needs to run with, a, with the team that runs a 4-3. He needs to play like the under tackle role, uh, not on the end anymore, so he can attack guards and, and centers and just mess them up. I think that'd be a lot of fun for him and then rotate outside every now and then. But I don't see him in Pittsburgh. Um, Roethlisberger's too old. I could possibly see him in Cleveland because it, it just – he wants to go play with a team that has a quarterback he believes in. That's one of his stated goals. So that rules off Pittsburgh. Um, as much fun as two Watts on that defense would be, that would actually be pretty cool to watch. They just don't have the offense. But they that defense would be absolutely terrifying. All right. Um, so how do, how do we want to handle all this drama out there that is saying, look at Deshaun versus JJ. Look how the Texans handled JJ versus Deshaun. Do we think that the Texans are doing Deshaun dirty by playing hardball with him, whereas JJ asks, and they just roll over? Do we think that's actually a thing? Or are people just trying to get Twitter likes? Uh, I'm going to go with the latter. They're trying to get Twitter. Like, JJ's situation is far different from Deshaun Watson's situation. I mean, Deshaun Watson, obviously the franchise quarterback he's only in his fourth season and he's coming off a career year obviously and I think he realizes the kind of potential that he has I mean there's no doubt that he had potential but um he sees that he doesn't want to waste his career here uh, on the Texans but JJ he he's been with us uh uh uh, thick and thin basically and he spent eight years here I believe and so or sorry more than that or whatever but a lot a considerable amount of years here and it's only right that we release him. Obviously, we're not going to release Deshaun Watson. We're going to get a King's Ransom for Deshaun Watson. We're going to get three first-round picks. We're going to get multiple picks for a guy like Deshaun Watson. And so, yeah, obviously, yeah, like Bage said, it's two different situations and circumstances. And I don't think it's right to compare them at all. I mean, obviously, um, and Deshaun, like, publicly – actually, never mind. But, yeah, uh, it's – two different situations like i said yeah i don't even want john to like, v you got anything dad yeah i don't even want to like hit on that topic i just feel like it's in a way disrespectful to both of them um two different situations two different circumstances here that's it you cannot compare deshaun and jj situation here yeah i'm in complete agreement anybody that is trying to stir that up they're just trying to get the likes they're just trying to cause a little bit of like drama because you know it's the off season people are realizing with everything with deshaun all the soap opera i mean it people are following like our our follows have increased um our views have increased like people are living with this drama they're going to try and stir up more of it it's good for business but it's not yes. the same thing you have a 25 year old quarterback that is under contract for five years that is entering his prime versus a guy that may only have two years left. 
So yeah. Yeah. He just, it's, it's silly. It's absolutely silly. All right. Next thing up, the Colts made a pretty big move. They went out and they got their savior. Is Carson Wentz going to come in, save the Colts, make them the scary team in the AFC? Um, you know, the Colts, they've they've kind of been like a after Andrew Luck retired, they've kind of been a QB away, you know. I mean, they, they had Brissett, who was serviceable at best, and then they went out and tried to get Rivers, trying to get like a last hurrah out of him. But, I mean, they're trying to get their franchise quarterback. And Carson Wentz, they're kind of buying – buying low if you uh if you would say that because obviously Carson Wentz coming off his worst uh year as a quarterback obviously he's been through s- several injuries ACL injury back fracture a concussion and his best years were with Frank Reich and so um obviously the Colts Colts fans should have some cause for optimism a lot of hype because um like I said uh Frank Reich knows how to coach um Wentz and a lot of Wentz's um, problems this year were either like foot placement, like his foot was a different angle than where he was throwing to. And it's kind of all the fundamentals. And his coaching staff didn't really care much to help give him that hope. And and obviously being in a in a city like Philadelphia, you're under a lot of pressure to perform. And those Philadelphia fans, they go crazy, right? So like being in a smaller city like Indy, it's going to be less stressful for him. And Obviously, the AFC South, we got to watch out. And it kind of gives us more more of a reason to keep someone like Deshaun Watson and uh, battle battle for the AFC South because it's not that easy of a division as it was in the past. Yeah, I mean, Frank Reich was Eagles OC in 2017 when they won the um, Super Bowl. And Carson Wentz was in the running for MVP before he tore his um, ACL, I think, in November or December. Um, so Reich knows how to work with Rant knows how to work with Carson Wentz. Um, And this is Carson Wentz's last chance to rediscover his winning touch. And if Carson Wentz leads the Colts to the playoffs this this, um, coming season, then they have their quarterback for at least the next four years for just $24 a year. What do you all think about the compensation that they received? Um, A second that could turn into a first if he plays 70% of the games and a third-round pick. Um, I think that was – I didn't think Carson Wentz was going to go for that much based on um, his atrocious season last last year. Um, but, I mean, I could see why the Colts paid that price for him. Um, I, I think there's um, – Chicago was also interested in attaining Carson Wentz. Obviously, they had Mitchell Trubisky there, but it would have been quarterback battle there. But, I mean, um, I can see why they paid the price for that. I mean, I, I thought that was a little steep for Carson Wentz, and that would skyrocket – if Watson's value couldn't go any higher, it probably did after that trade. But yeah, I think I can see why the Colts um paid uh traded them uh traded that much for Carson Wentz, and we'll see if it works for them. Yeah, I feel like it was a risky um a risky move a little, but um if if Wentz continues to look like the to look like the guy we saw in twenty in the twenty twenty season, which was not a good guy, then Maybe they made a wrong move, but it's a risky pick. We have to wait and see. It's a wait and watch kind of situation. Yeah. Um, it's Honestly, with the going rate for quarterbacks, that's kind of a steal if he turns out to be just above average. So here's the thing. Carson Wentz still has all the athletic gifts. 
I mean, he's been beat up a little bit. He always gets hurt because he takes big hits. It doesn't matter how big he is. He takes big hits. And that's why he constantly gets hurt. Honestly, if you look at most of his numbers, he has improved every year, except he throws more interceptions and he gets sacked more. But his, um, I think his completion percentage dropped, but everything else, his expected completion percentage has actually been fairly fairly consistent. So he got really lucky on a lot of throws for a long time, and he just ran out of luck. So is he as bad as he was last year? Probably not. And I think Frank Wright knows how to coach him and knows how to use a guy that can be fairly mobile. But if you use Carson Wentz as a mobile quarterback, he's going to get hurt. So I think that it was a fair trade for both sides. The Eagles get a, actually get some compensation. They get to move on. They're going to do a soft rebuild. And the Colts get a guy that if he's average, the Colts have built a very good team. I mean, I hate saying it. I really hate saying it. I hate complimenting the Colts, but I'm a big I, I'm a big believer in Frank Reich, and I think that they have a solid team, and they're going to put enough pieces around Wentz that's going to make him look better than he actually is. And I'm already preparing myself for next year to hear all the miracle worker blah 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 stuff, or it's really his supporting cast. Like he, there's a very good supporting cast around him. Now with that, I just want to point out, kind of talked about it before, and it kind of shows how hard it is to draft a quarterback. Carson Wentz is a perfect example of this. He was the number two pick behind Jared Goff. They've both been traded. So first pick, second pick, quarterback, both been traded. Of course, we know Mariota and James Winston, first and second pick quarterbacks. Neither one of them are really lighting the world on fire. Uh, both are backups. Jameis Winston may never start again. Marcus Mariota, he might. Some, he still gets the excuse for injuries. So we keep talking about these trade compensation packs, these hauls that we want to see return for Deshaun. And I'll even throw up this, this next one because it, it kind of speaks to that. The rumors that we keep hearing around Deshaun. Do you, either one of you think there is anything out there that makes this makes a fair trade for Deshaun? And then we'll also kind of discuss a little bit about the rumors that throwing things like Christian McCaffrey in, throwing like Teddy Bridgewater, like it's these Madden trades that are just, oh, I, I don't want to ruin it for, for y'all, but yeah, <laughs> let's get into it. So um, Mark, what do y'all think? Okay, um, obviously when you're dealing with trading a franchise generational talent in Deshaun Watson, you're always going to be – I feel like you're going to be losing that trade um, in a sense. Um, the best you can do is trying to get as close as you can to um, a similar value. And I think that what the Panthers can do, obviously you don't want to get um, Christian McCaffrey. Like he, as great as he is, he's like arguably the best running back in the league. Um, Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook are also great running backs as well. But you don't want to – because running backs, they're not as valued as they are, um, as they were like back then, like in NFL history. Um, but um, obviously, I don't think we should trade Watson for another running back. We saw how that went for us last time, trading another talented guy in DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. Like, no more trading for running backs. Like, like period. Like, you don't want to do that anymore. And so, what I want from the Panthers is some like a trade package, like. Well, involving Brian Burns, um, Jeremy Chin, um, guys like those, those, um, those defensive studs that we can try to revamp that defense because our defense is talent depleted right now. It's 
it's crying, it's begging for mercy, it needs help, right? So um, I hope that Nick Casario addresses that need in the offseason, and we'll see about that. But obviously, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't really like a trade involving Christian McCaffrey and three first, whichever was rumored. But yeah, that's what that's my thoughts on that. No, I just want to say again, um, we say this every week, but no team has the assets to um, trade for Deshaun Watson. And in my opinion, there's nothing about the Carolina trade that makes sense for the Texans. Yeah, you throw in Christian McCaffrey to try and save face for the fans. Um, but it makes zero sense. First off, you don't pay running backs. Said it for years. I hate being right because I tried to talk myself into being optimistic about guys when we were paying them. But you don't pay for running backs. Any team that pays yeah. for a running back does badly. If Christian McCaffrey was really as good, his contract is so bad that if this was the NBA, you're sending a first-round pick with McCaffrey. You already don't have enough first-round picks to trade for Deshaun. So including Christian McCaffrey in the trade is essentially a contract dump on the Panthers' side. Like, it makes zero sense from the from the Texans. Um, Albert Beer said the only trades that make sense, and then he threw out some crazy Madden-style seven-for-one trades that don't make sense, but he said the best comment about it is if you think you can trade for Deshaun, you give the Texans whatever they ask for. If the Texans ask for Brian Burns, you give them Brian Burns. It is that hard to get a franchise quarterback. There's you cannot trade enough picks. You cannot trade enough first round picks to make it worth getting Deshaun. Now, first round picks are lottery tickets. And I hate saying this, but I'm going to reiterate it. Every single year is first round picks are not guarantees of anything. And when you have a guaranteed player, you don't give them up for a you don't you don't give them up, and in the NFL, for because of the salary cap and the way that it's structured, people tend to overvalue first round picks because you think if you hit on one, then it makes all the difference in the world. But look at all the first round picks the Browns had; they missed on three quarters of them, and they're finally starting to turn around. Not necessarily because of their drafting, but because of the play, other players that they signed. So. Depending on who you have in the front office, it doesn't matter how many first-round picks you have. And if the Panthers, if the Texans want Brian Burns, you give them Brian Burns. If the 49ers want to trade with the Texans and the, we ask for both Ken Law and Fred Warner, you give us Fred Warner. Like, if that's too rich for your blood, then you don't get a franchise quarterback like Deshaun. And the other thing that I really, really want to stress, and I keep saying it every week, and I know I'm going to have to say it in every week until the season starts. The Texans have the leverage. If Deshaun decides that he does not want to play and he sits out, his value isn't going to change. The Texans can hold on to him as long as he wants, but he's not quitting the Texans. He's quitting the NFL. This isn't like, oh, I don't want to go work at my office anymore. I'm going to stop showing up. And I can get transferred to another office because that's essentially what it what it is. If he decides he doesn't want to play, he's quitting the NFL. And I hate it. Part of me truly hates it. But at the same time, 
can you imagine an NFL where star quarterbacks get to choose which city they play in? And I understand that argument as well. Like I'm typically, typically like I want to be all as much, as much as I possibly can supporting players and their freedom and their right to control their careers. Cause this is their career. They are laying their bodies out there. But one of the points that has been made, and I believe it was also on Monday morning quarterback by executives is you, they're not going to start allowing quarterbacks to choose where to play. This is going to be a staring match with Deshaun. And if Deshaun decides he doesn't want to play, they're not going to let him play because there's no compensation they can get back that's fair. Absolutely. You just took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, and I feel like um, Deshaun Watson, I think it was reported that um, Deshaun Watson wouldn't sit out or whatever, but um, I, I don't know. Like, I think that the NFL wouldn't stand for something like that if Deshaun Watson were to quit the NFL. Obviously, they value him as, like, one of the face, faces of the NFL, Right, like we saw last year with the season opener versus the Chiefs, they put us versus the Chiefs game one of the whole NFL season. And the only reason why we we were in that game is Deshaun Watson, right? Like, they're like that's the only reason why we had that game against the Chiefs because Deshaun Watson is that face of the one of the main faces of the NFL. And so I think the NFL recognizes that, and I don't think Roger Goodell would stand for it. Um, to be honest, um, I don't know. Uh, you're completely wrong absolutely tell the Texans to make him sit because the owners will not stand for quarterbacks being able to choose where they play. The NFL players have given up all leverage and that's what the owners want. You just look at how the CBA bargaining negotiations went. The owners, including Goodell, they don't care about the players, not even the shot. It's all about, they say it over and over, protect the shield, protect the shield, protect the shield. And then Deshaun's not going to sit out. His his own agent has already said that he's showing up for minicamp. So the Texans need to get this right because Deshaun is important to the franchise. It is so hard to get a quality quarterback. I think that the NFL would do, they're not going to stop the Texans from having Deshaun sit out. But I do think that there is a potential that they would try and stop the Texans from actually moving Deshaun. Because, again, they don't want the players to have that sort of freedom. My question for you guys is, do you think the NFL should step in, or is it too late for them to do anything There's, about it? They're not going to. I mean, again, it's more that if the Texans were actually considering trading Deshaun for less value, I could, at that point, I could almost see the NFL more likely, but they're not going to step in to say, hey, treat him better. They don't care how they treat the players. Again, it's one of the things that almost makes me not want to watch the NFL sometimes is the NFL legitimately doesn't care how the players are treated. And more power for Deshaun for trying to get more power. And I hate that it involves our team, and I hate it's the team that I want to play. But Deshaun's not going to force his way out. He really can't. It's if the Texans come around and they get blown away with an offer or if they see value in moving on for them. But the Texans' best bet, and what I still think is most likely, is they're going to try and get Deshaun back in the building and sit him down, and it's all going to not necessarily blow over. It's going to haunt them for a while. But it's embarrassing that we're even at this point. 
And maybe, just maybe, there's a team out there that kind of Bill O'Brien's and just literally does send everything that they possibly can send, everything that is not nailed down for Deshaun. That might actually happen. But there's a big difference between Jalen Ramsey, whom everybody kind of throws out there. It's even in chat right now. There's a huge difference in the situation. And and a franchise quarterback. Like they're not gonna allow this. Part of I it think, is you can have no. value for a cornerback. You can get fair value. You can't get fair value for Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think obviously money speaks with these owners. And if Deshaun Watson's traded a lot a large majority of the Tex, uh, Texans fan base is going to move with him. They're going to, they're going to, some, some people are going to join his team. They're going to root for the team that whatever d- team Deshaun's on, they're going to root for him. And obviously, Cal McNair, he's the only, like, now that JJ Watt's gone, he's the face of the franchise. Like, Deshaun Watson's obviously the face of the franchise. And if Watson's gone, there's, there's no way that they're selling tickets that easily, right? They're, they're not going to fill up a whole stadium. Like, when, whenever COVID protocols are gone, and like the revenue, whatever revenue that the Texans get, that affects the cap, right? Because um, the the league, the league's um, revenue. Well, obviously. it's revenue. There's revenue sharing. Yeah. So yeah. all the revenue in the league goes to the entire league. The only thing that the team keeps themselves is merchandise. So with that, the Texans aren't going to lose money. There's still a five-year wait list on the on the season tickets. Um, part of it is a big part of it is it's Houston. We have a lot of those corporate fans. People are going to buy them up. So the Texans, we can't influence it. There's not enough people that are going to change teams. Like all that stuff doesn't matter. The things that will matter is when they decide they want a new stadium and the city won't upgrade it. That's how we lost the Oilers. Because again, because that's going to happen. That's probably going to happen here sooner rather than later. And maybe hitting them with merchandise, maybe because that's the income they keep for themselves. But for the most part, like threatening the boycott games, whatever, wear backs to the games, whatever. They they don't care. That doesn't affect their bottom line. If they cared about perception, they would have moved on from Jack Easterby. But they don't care about perception. All right. Well, let's kind of move on to Mr. Nick because he has all sorts of big decisions he's got to make. So how do how are we going to grade Nick so far? How do we think he's doing? I mean, it's kind of still early to tell. I mean, I would kind of like um, he's still. I, I think um, this whole Watson situation, how he's been handling it, I feel like. Now, since everything is um, so publicized now with this whole Watson situation, I'm sure he's trying to reach out, but I feel like Watson feels like this, it's beyond repair at this point. And that's why he's, I, I saw somewhere that was reported that he's not returning calls. And so, I mean, Nick already jumped here. The situation was already bad with Watson and everything. So you can't really blame him there. But the whole, um, kind of the, what sparked the whole Watson situation was how he got hired. And um, if he was more, if he if he didn't want to like be hired that way like if he kind of like stood up and said like hey i don't want to um i i want to talk to deshaun first or whatever like if he said something like that maybe the whole situation could have changed because deshaun said he had an issue with the way that nick costeria was hired not the actual hiring itself and so um the um like there's still time to tell what 
how Nick will do. Like, um, there's still the draft, and he's only made like a few changes to, um, to the roster. And then the coaching staff is pretty great too. I'd say it's arguably um, one of the best coaching staffs we've had in a while. Um, and so, and I'm sure he built that with, um, yeah, I'm sure he built that with David Cully and things like that. So, um, but yeah, I think it's still too early to tell, but right now he's doing an okay job. Yeah, um, still too early to tell um, how Nick Casario is doing. He has a lot of decisions to make. Um, he has a difficult decision on the salary cap, releasing or trading players to free up cap dollars, or taking on dead cap money as he um, kind of redoes the roster. But before that, I think he kind of needs to take control of the Texans. He needs to make sure every, whatever's going on behind the scenes is transparent to the fan base. Um, now, I say that, but Jack Easterby is really the face of what's going on, right? But if Nick Casario really doesn't care about what Jack Easterby has to say to him, then Casario will be transparent and do the right thing. But with everything that's going on and the way this organization is moving lately, it doesn't look so bright, but... It's too early to tell if Casario is doing a good job. I'm going to wait till the draft. Yeah, um, Casario, will, he's been dealt a bad hand. Um, I do have to give him credit so far for coming in and handling what he has. But part of me is a little bit concerned. I'm still not, I'm still not enthralled with Cooley as a, as a head coach. Uh, the staff's all right. But that was his first big decision. And – He's got a lot more decisions he's he's got to make. He still has to worry about BMAC. He has to handle this Deshaun situation. He has to go decide what free agents we're going to spend when we currently have like $2 million in cap space. And he's got to make a big decision about Will Fuller. Um, mm -hmm. We'll start off with Will Fuller. Do y'all think Fuller's back? What do y'all think? I feel like the Texans should try to keep Fuller um, whether or not Deshaun's here, because the the new quarterback's going to have some, going to need some weapons to throw to, obviously. And ob obviously, Will Fuller knows his worth. He's one of the, he's arguably a top fifteen wide receiver in the league. Um, I mean, he's shown his ability to, um, really kind of be, um, kind of like go and grow into that wide receiver one role that we saw this season with the absence of De DeAndre Hopkins, and he kind of like um embraced it and. And obviously, it's a more of a wide receiver by committee approach. But I feel like Will Fuller did an excellent job this season. Obviously, he was taking some performance-enhancing drugs. But I think that was just more or less to stay healthy. But who knows? I feel like his price should um, drop because he was taking th those substances and of his previous injury history of not being able to complete a full season. And so maybe the Texans do some kind of incentive-based contract, um, making sure that he's able to stay healthy, like if he's able to play – 16 games, you're going to get some bonus or whatever, right? So, and I think there's mutual interest there with Will Fuller and the Texans. Um, but I think a large part of it is dependent whether Deshaun's staying, and that's um, completely, um, I understand that. So um, I would love to have Will Fuller here because I feel like he's one of the great talents, and I don't want to see another um, talent that the, the Texans have had leave uh, again like we've seen. So, and that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, I think I really want to see Will Fuller um, stay. I think 
the t- Casario has to make sure he resigns Will Fuller. Um, if they can't agree on a contract, and if he does leave, then Fuller must be franchised. I don't think they're going to franchise him. Um, I love Fuller. Don't get me wrong; he is a top fifteen quarter or a top fifteen receiver, maybe even a top ten receiver when he's healthy and when he plays. But dude hasn't played a full season since his rookie season. Like either hurt um, this year at steroids or performing enhancing <laughs> drugs, whatever we want to call it. Whether or not he, I mean, he obviously didn't know that's what he was taking, but because two other players got caught with him as well. But it's still, it's, it's still crazy. Uh, Fuller, the franchise tag this year for a receiver is about fifteen million. I think it. I'm. I'm not really. I'm still not sure. I'm still not entirely sure whether Fuller will be back or not. I want him to be back. I desperately want him to be back. Uh, my prediction at the end of the season, and I'm standing by it, is it'll either be Cooks or Fuller. If Easterby, the Easterby situation kind of makes it more confusing because Cooks is one of Easterby's biggest defenders of the players that are on the roster. He's about the only one that's been vocal in his support of Easterby, which, I mean, let's be honest, that apparently carries a little bit of weight. Fuller, Fuller could go somewhere for for a season for a season, just blow the wheels off everybody and make really good money. And I wouldn't blame him doing that. I don't know if he's going to stay or not, and it's mainly because of everything going on with Deshaun. If Deshaun is legitimately hurt, and the Texans are going to lowball Fuller because every other team in the league is going to lowball Fuller, why is he going to take that offer? Um, but if Watson's staying and he has that conversation with Fuller, then yeah, Fuller's going to take the low ball offer, guaranteed money for next year, ball out, and probably get a real big contract with somebody. Maybe us, maybe somebody else, or maybe with us, but most likely with somebody else. And I still stand by my original comment that it's either Cooks or Fuller. One of them will be here, the other won't, and we still don't know yet. We can't spend between the two of them, between Cooks, Fuller, and Cobb, will be close to 45 million just on receivers with what's the cap 380. I mean, that's what is the cap? Shoot. I, I already forgot what the cap is. I know that there's an 80 in it. So for, please forgive me out there, but I mean, that's too many receivers that we're paying too much money to when we have a lot of holes on the roster as well. Yeah, I feel uh, like next the whole one. situation just depends on Deshaun Watson. Yeah, uh, Riviera, no one's paying a big contract to Fuller this year. But if they could actually somehow get him to come back in under probably around $12 because $15 million for franchise, like, that's actually really low. That's actually a really good deal. But I just can't see them paying both Fuller, even if it's twelve million, and Cooks eighteen million, and then you've already got Cobb for another twelve. So forty—that's forty-two, if I'm doing my math right. Yeah, twelve millions for Will is ideal, and I hope that's what we sign him for. If we sign him, but again, I—I just—that's so much money on receivers, and it's all because of Cobb, and Cobb's. Cobb is 
Oh, it's 180. I don't know why I said three. Uh, 180 million. So thank you, Chris K, Chris Royal, and Donnie for, for nailing the, uh, the salary cap for that. But yeah, Cobb is what makes it difficult. Because if we cut Cobb, it's about 8 million of dead cap money, even if it's after June. And that was just a bad contract. It's the same reason why Whitney Merciless may retire, but do you really think he's going to give up 10 million? Like he has 10 million guarantee unless he retires. Even if we cut him, he still gets 10 million. So the Cobb and the Merciless contracts are two huge albatrosses. And it's part of the reason why JJ moved on is because contracts like that prevents us from being a quick reload. Even with Deshaun Watson, we have to get so lucky on the players that we bring in because we we are kind of hamstrung by some of the players that we're essentially stuck with. All right, uh, next one, BMAC, Benardrick McKinney. What do we think is going to happen with him? Um, I feel like he's going to be traded because with Lovey Smith, he's going to bring that Tampa 2 defense. And so it's going to be uh, – it looks like a cover two, but it's that middle linebacker is going to have to play some coverage, right? And we all know that BMAC is a liability in coverage. And obviously he's an amazing run stopper, that Derrick Henry stopper. Um, I feel like BMAC has always played well against Derrick Henry. And and obviously Derrick Henry is still in our division. And we need a, a good run stopper seeing how bad our run defense was this season. But honestly, I, I think BMAC's as good as gone too because um, Tyrell Adams in his absence played pretty good. Um, um, so um, I don't know if the Texans keep Tyrell Adams, but um, I think we try to trade BMAC with maybe package him with someone else. But um, yeah, I think he's uh, going to be traded. Yeah, I think he's going to be traded too. I don't see others. I don't see us. Um, extending him or whatever. Yeah, BMAC is a tough one. He's another tough contract to kind of handle. He's probably the best run-stopping and blitzing or, or best middle linebacker at getting pressure. But when you're coming in with a 4-3, I don't know how he, – he's not going to be able to play Mike in a 4-3, but that's really the only position he could play. Yeah. So I don't know what they're going to do with BMAC. I really don't. It's one of those, do you just try and make it work with him, um, restructure him, He's and see what you can do with him? Oh, man. But we're going to have this. Yeah, this year it's going to be, I don't know what Lovey Smith's going to do. With his Tampa 2, we don't have the players to play that. And the players that we're kind of stuck with, I don't know how they're going to fit in. And according to Jordan, he's gone back and he's looked at a ton of Lovey Smith. And he is almost beyond married to his Tampa 2 scheme. Like, he does not bury it. No matter what personnel he has, part of the reason that he struggled, apparently in college, was a just absolute marriage to the scheme. With the right personnel, it's an amazing scheme. But it is very, very personnel dependent. And the Texans, granted, I'm, I'm not an expert, I'm not a coach, but they don't, they don't really have, from what I can tell, the personnel to do it. And I just hope I'm wrong. But 
I like BMAC. I want him to stay. I want him to. I want him to make it work. He does have, and we're not. No, Donnie, we are not sure. Jack maybe. Jack, maybe telling Lovey exactly what system he's running. But I don't know. Yeah, too much Tampa two is going to get this untalented defense murdered. Chris, you can put that in stone. We're next year is going to be ugly. Next year will be ugly unless they do some things that are absolutely amazing with draft and free agents. Just with the existing pieces they are stuck with. All right, his yes. next big thing is we've got to figure out what free agents do we think that we're going to go after. Um, Anish, since you brought this up, I hate talking about free agencies, tell, to tell you the truth. Um, the guy that uh, one of the defensive ends um, that we're huge on, uh, the Bengals just franchised him. And with the NFL, between franchise tags, transition tags, it's so hard to predict what guys will actually reach free agency that doing free agent lists this early is always tough for me. So I'm going to throw that out there. But since you brought it up and you seem to know who you want to talk about, I want to hear you. I want to hear what you what you got. Um, I mean, I looked up what the free agency list is. I mean, they're the O-line market, the inside uh, D-line market, and the quarterback market isn't that great. So we should probably look to build the trenches uh, via the draft. And, I mean, there's some edge rushers out there like Hassan Reddick, and maybe a clowny reunion if um, some people are down for that. Um, I, I feel like we're probably going to get outbidded for Yannick and Gawkway. Um, for safety help, we could um, look for Keanu Neal. I feel like he is um, coming off injured, but he still is really talented. Um, I heard that Malik Cooker is also available. Uh, people like that, obviously. I'm just throwing out some names out there. And um, inside D-line, the only attractive person I see is Leonard Williams there. But um, he's obviously going to have a lot of competition because everyone else isn't um, too hot um, uh, on the market. So, but yeah, that's just my my initial thoughts on looking after it. I'll probably look more into it later on. What about Bud Dupree and Shaquille Barrett? Maybe the Texans should um, go and find a pass rusher. I mean, Bud Dupree, that oh, I mean, Bud Dupree, like. He got his ACL injured and stuff, but um, he could be looking to get some money as well, obviously, but not as much because he got injured. But I mean, he's also a good option too. Um, but I feel like this team should target like those um twenty like at maximum like twenty eight year olds or twenty seven year olds because obviously this team is go uh, inevitably inevitably going to go in a rebuild if Sean Watson's traded. So um, you're going to have to need some young young players on the team so that when the team eventually becomes like a playoff or contending team. Um, they're they're in their prime or they're not super old that you have to offload them or whatever not. So that's just my thoughts on that. Yeah, we're not gonna be able to get Chuck Barrett. Um, just he he yeah. <laughs> he's kind of undersized and he's after the he he wants to get paid. He knows that this is his chance to get his contract. So he's not happening. He would be fun. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I wish we could get him, but he's not happening. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, he's he's fun. Um, he didn't. I think maybe moving him because he went from the Viking. He went from the Jaguars to the Vikings to the Vikings to the Ravens this year. Maybe that hurt him, but I still like. I know we need a pass rusher, but again. 
we don't have any speed at linebacker. Lonnie Johnson will probably have to get moved back to corner because you want defensive backs that can really hit in the Tampa two. So we need a safety. So Keanu Neal, that kind of makes sense. He's a hitter. He can, he can play um, if he stays healthy. Um, we'll probably need to really focus. I mean, it's weird because we kind of talked about it with, B, with BMAC. We don't have speed at linebackers, and that's the biggest thing that you need in Tampa 2. Um, even we talk about Zach Cunningham as being quicker, but he's a four, he ran a 4.7. Like me, we talked about it last week where you've got the current Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebackers running four fours. So a four seven is not fast to compared to the modern NFL day running back. And he's our fast one. So again, with our with our targets and free agency, we've almost got to do take a long look at, at scheme fit. Like, and we've got so many holes. <laughs> like, the more I look at this defense, I, it's almost depressing. Like, we've got so many holes. Y'all, oh, yeah. I, I tried to be the positive one, but, yeah, this is, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting offseason. Yep. The more you look at it, the more mistakes and holes you find. All right. Well, you wanted to close it out with um, with some positive hot takes. So let's let's hear it. What do you got? Um, I know like there isn't much optimism around for the Texans, but I think that a hot take of mine is that the Texans they have a, I mean they have so many holes and everything, but and Cully isn't the perfect coach and everything, but I feel like the Texans could have a winning season next year, and obviously that's a super hot take right now. And obviously there isn't much um, much going on, especially with Sean Watson wanting out. But I think the Texans could be a top two um, team in the AFC South, even if um, Watson, whether or not he stays, because obviously we wouldn't have won the four games we did um, with um, with Watson. But many of the close games that we lost were due to our defense. And so um, by trading Watson, you get an influx of talent. And and, hope, and this team, uh, aside from Cully, you have um, better coaching. This team has more promise, um, hopefully. And I just feel like um, this coaching staff is, as I said before, before, is probably arguably one of the best we've seen, like, aside from the head coach. And then you have teams like the Bears or Colts who have average QBs at the helm and have and, and they manage winning seasons. And so I feel like Cully will immensely help the run game. I feel like that's, like, one of the few pauses from Cully. Um, and he, can, he, he might help David Johnson, um, like, kind of regain some of his form because Cully helped Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles have career years in rushing. And he would immensely help our uh, a poor rushing game, and I feel like it could. I I know it's a super hot take, but that's just I feel like that's like a shred of hope that I have at this point. What do you think our record could be? Uh, obviously we went four and twelve this past season, but I mean, um, if you're being optimistic. Um, wait, are we saying with Watson or without Watson? Does that oh, make sense? Oh, okay. With Watson, I feel with this coaching staff, we could obviously have a winning season, um, hopefully, because Watson may, may do with um, little to no talent, obviously, because after the Will Fuller um, 
suspension. He played with guys like Chad Hansen, Kiki QT, and he was arguably the top um, uh, the top quarterback in the league, better than Patrick Mahomes. And so he he could do a 10 and 6 season with this coaching staff. And then Nick Casario does make the right moves. Um, I could see that happening without Watson. I could see maybe 6 and 10, probably the opposite version of that. Um, but who knows, whoever we draft, a lot of it is very dependent on how Nick does in the draft, how Nick does in free agency. But I just try to spread some optimism, I guess. But it, it is possible. Anything's possible. But Yeah, like, anything's possible. I mean, anything's yeah. possible. <laughs> I'll kind of leave it at that. Anything's <laughs> possible. Um, anything's possible. Yeah. No, without Deshaun, we're the worst team in the league. There's, yeah, without Deshaun, we're the worst team in the league. There's no if, ands, or buts. If we trade Deshaun, no matter whom we get in the draft, this upcoming season, we will be the worst team in the league. Absolutely, yeah. I, I hate I hate saying that. It's painful. Like, I, I feel pain saying that. I am forever optimistic. I want to I wanna go for I want to go for a team that wins. I, I mean, but yeah, I just... Yeah, it's gonna be bad, y'all. <laughs> I mean, so at least we they got to patch it up with Deshaun. Day. They patch it up with Deshaun. Anything's possible. Uh, anything is possible. Like I, there's no record out there. Anything from losing all of our games to winning. Well, not winning all of our games, but losing all of our games to competitive in the AFC South with Deshaun is is possible. But without Deshaun, we're gonna be bad. I mean, if we're going to be bad, at least we have our first-round pick for next year, so we can have a good pick. But obviously it's yeah. not fun to have a tanking team or anything. But <laughs> Yeah, if we let Deshaun sit, he's, we're going to have the first first pick next year. So yeah. I part of me has actually made peace with that. Let's let Deshaun sit out for a year, have the first first pick next year, and and maybe – and, and go from there because that way you've already given up on the season. There's no hope. There's no your your heart's already broken. He doesn't show up. Heart's broken. We kind of hate watch him all year because that's what we do. I'm not going to stop watching. I hate saying it. I may make let my kid become a Cowboys fan, um, but I won't stop watching the Texans. Um, but yeah, I mean, without Deshaun next year, I am not hopeful at all. And I really can't see any sort of moves. There's there's not enough out there to make me change my mind on it and it, to become more of a positive take. Especially because part of the problem, part of the reason we're going to be bad this year is we do have bad, we have a lot of bad contracts. Most teams can survive with one or two of these. We have four or five. Yes. Oh, it's blasphemy that I said I'd let my kids become Cowboys fans. Dude, do I really want them to be to suffer like we do? Honestly, like I have every pop like that has ever been made of the Texans, like the pop vinyl, the little things. I've got to replace all of them. Like I have wall art in here of like JJ Watt and Deshaun Watson. I got to replace all that because it's painful to come in here and look at guys that we love that are no longer on the team. Um, especially once Deshaun's gone. So at least the Cowboys, I mean, as painful as it is for me to say, like, you know, that Jerry Jones is insane. He's probably an idiot and I hate the Cowboys, but they, they'll just be mediocre, like truly mediocre forever. So let them have, let, I live in Austin. He can be friends with other Cowboys fans and not suffer like we do finally get a quarterback. And this is what's going to happen. 
Oh, oh well. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Again, right now with Texans Unfiltered, we have rotating guest hosts until probably about June. I do have some pretty good news. James is coming back either next week or the week after. Um, he'll start rotating in as well. So very excited about getting James back. He has had he's had his break. Now he wants to come back. I'm sure he's got lots of hot takes. Um, we'll continue to do our rotating co-host, letting all fans come in and kind of co-host and join because this is going to be a miserable off season. And we want to hear everybody. We want to have hear all sorts of opinions. Like Anisha, I do respect you for going out there and throwing it out there on something that's reported and shared by thousands of people um, that you're going to be that optimistic. And my heart is with you on that. Um, and it's glad to see, because once we're all done, it'll be really interesting to kind of look back, because a lot of these shows, we're going to talk about similar things, but y'all's answers are going to be so much different, which is really cool. And we'll really get kind of like a feeling for where the fan base is. I'm very interested to see, I, there's a couple guys coming up that are absolutely <laughs> livid with the Texans, and I think those are going to be some pretty entertaining shows. Um, John V, let people know where they can find you. At Sports with John V on Twitter and Instagram. And Anish, tell everybody where they can find you. This is anything you want to pimp, throw out there that it's like, hey, buy this, look at this, follow this. Now's your chance. Um, obviously, like I said earlier, I have a YouTube channel of my own um, with uh, other of my friends, and it's called Clutch City Entertainment. And um, you can follow us at Clutch City ENTX. And um, that's where I'll be posting my own Texans content, also Rockets content um, for y'all because uh, Houston Sports Channel, as hard as it is right now, both teams are not doing so hot, but that's the nature of the of the business, right? So, but yeah, I'm um, super thankful for the platform y'all have given me today. And I'm, I look forward to, um, uh, to see other people on this um, on the show too. Yeah, th definitely. Thank you for coming on here. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you so much. At least we have the Astros. They, I will give them a lot of, a lot of love for the Astros right now because they can do something crazy like last season that we had to deal with, and they're still a good team. So, you know, at least we got the Astros. They are still going to be good. Are they going to be as yes. otherworldly as they have been? Eh, probably not. But they're still going to be really good and a lot of fun. And I'm going to miss George Springer quite a bit. But, y'all, thank you so much for listening. Um, we, will be next, we will be back next week at 9 p.m. every Tuesday. Find us anywhere podcasts are found. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, I always forget to tell you about Patreon. I, we could definitely use any donations because I hate running ads. I'd like to get away from ads. Um, let's see what else. I think that's everything. Follow me at John A. Wade three on Twitter. I do better about responding than I used to. And at Houston football pod is kind of like the, the big corporate one where everybody kind of pipes in every now and then. All right. Thank y'all so much. And I will look forward to seeing y'all next week.